Netcasts you love. From people you trust. This is Twit. Bandwidth for the Tech Guy is provided by Cashfly. C-A-C-H-E-F-L-Y dot com. Hi, this is Leo Laporte, and this is my Tech Guy podcast. This show originally aired on the Premier Radio Networks on Sunday, February 27th, 2011. This is episode 748. Enjoy. Good day to you. How are you today? Leo Laborde here, the tech guy, the computer guy, the the cell phone guy, the home theater guy, all that stuff. Tech, you see, is is all of that stuff these days. How'd you like to talk about tech for the next couple hours? Let's do it. 8888-ASK-LEO. That's my number. If you have a question or you'd like to make a comment or a suggestion, maybe you found something really cool you want to tell the world about, maybe you want to share your tale of woe. 1-8-WOE. Whoa. Whoa. Whoa, dude. 888 is a phone number. 8888 ask That's toll-free from anywhere in the U.S., as, as all 888 numbers are. If you're outside the U.S., fear not. You can, Fear not, my friends. You can also call us at uh, by a Skype at that number uh, from anywhere in the world, and that's also toll-free. 8888-ASK-LEO. So uh, Tuesday or Wednesday is the big day, March 2nd, right? That's Wednesday. Yeah, that's the big day. Apple will announce something. They're not, uh, they didn't say, but I think everybody is in full and solid agreement, as am I, that it's an iPad 2. Of, you know, by the way, the name even doesn't have to be iPad 2. It could be whatever, whatever. App- Apple doesn't usually do that. The second iPhone was not the iPhone 2, it was the iPhone 3G, <laughs> and then the 3GS, right? And then the iPhone 4, which was, in fact, the fourth iPhone. The next iPhone, which will come out in June, could be the iPhone 5, but it could also be the iPhone 2XY399. We don't know. The iPad could be the iPad R2D2. We don't know, but we do think that there'll be a new iPad. I talked a little bit on the last show about what I thought it might be, but it's all speculation, understand? No one knows what it's going to be. It could be anything. But in all likelihood, it will uh, have some improvements. I think a camera is pretty much a given. Some debate over whether it'll have two cameras. It'll certainly have a front-facing camera so you could do FaceTime, which nobody does, but you could do if you wanted to do, but nobody does it. And Apple's very committed to having anybody do it that wants to, even though no one does it. FaceTime, that's video calling. And you know that's, you know what the problem is. Nobody really wants to be seen. If you're sitting down in the computer and you know you got a camera on the computer and you're talking to family and friends, I use Skype that way all the time. We use Skype video all the time. That's different. But as you're walking around or you're on the, in the car, yet let's say where, where do you use the, where do you use the phone, the cell phone the most? Car? Do you need video there? Do you want video there? Do you want to be driving and have to hold the phone like this? No, I don't think so. And you certainly shouldn't be looking at mom on the cell phone. So that's out. Where else do you use the cell phone? Just walking down the street? Well, I don't think it's a good idea to have people walking down the street looking at each other. 
we already have enough problems with people walking down the street texting. So FaceTime, if you ask me, never. That was I. I was one of the few. I think. I think a, a lot of the people I know were so excited. <gasps> Isn't this neat? Look, when 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 you have a when when you're a grandpa and your your kids have a baby and you can see the well, there's some moments like that. Of course, they're wonderful. If you uh, if you're if you use sign language, they're it's wonderful. But for the most of us, I don't think FaceTime is a big selling point. Nevertheless, Apple does, so they're going to put a front-facing camera. I'd like to see a back-facing camera, not because the iPad itself is a very good form factor for a camera. I've used the Samsung Galaxy Tab, their 7-inch tablet. That has a camera on the back, and it just feels weird holding up this tablet to take a picture. It's kind of, in some ways, it's good because it's, you've got a big screen, so you can really see what you're taking a picture of. You know, I mean, full. it's like watching TV. And, of course, the thing I like, and the reason I think Apple should put a camera, a real camera on the back of the iPad is, the software that's available on iOS, I use it on the iPhone all the time. It's really fantastic. There's, there's, I probably have two dozen camera apps on my iPhone. Everything from Toon Paint, which takes the picture I take and turns it into a cartoon, to uh, Photo Booth Plus, which makes it in a little, you know, photo strip like you did in a photo booth. Diptych is fun. I use filters. I use Panorama programs like Photo uh, Auto Stitch. I did some great panoramas when I was in. South America using the iPhone. You do it right there, and because it's connected, you send it. And I think that's that's the kind of thing I think the iPad would be great for, especially that bigger screen. So I'd like to see him put a, two cameras on it, one for the front, for that's for Apple, and the, and the five of you who use FaceTime, and one in the back for, you know, because it's, a, it's an interesting platform for cameras, for photography. <laughs> you know, right now you can put, a lot of these photo apps are available on the iPad. But it's but like it's silly because where to where to I don't have any photos on my iPad. You'd have to transfer them over, then modify them, then upload them. That's too much too many steps. That's just like a computer. I don't need I, that's you know I can do that on my computer. Uh, I don't think it'll have a much higher resolution screen. It's not a very high res screen right now. In fact, it's, it's barely competitive with the other screens out there from uh, Motorola, the Zoom, the BlackBerry Playbook. Samsung Galaxy S, all of them have better screens. So I think Apple will have to improve the screen at 1024 by 768. You know what? Part of the problem is not just the number of dots, but that it's not a widescreen. It's 4 by 3. It's like your old TV. It's not a widescreen. I think everybody else is doing widescreens, aren't they? Except for the Zoom. Is the Zoom widescreen too? I think wides, but they're not going to do a retina. They're not going to do the kind of resolution that you have on the iPhone right now. They're not going to put on a big screen because it's well, hideously expensive and the battery life would go down. And I think one thing we can be sure of is that the next iPad will not cost more than the existing iPads and cannot offer less in any regard, especially battery life. So you can increase the screen resolution, but it hurts you in the, in the pocketbook and on the battery life. So maybe not that. Here's where I really think that, that they're going to go. It's going to be cosmetic. And it, but it, remember, Apple's got to do something to make you want one. You're happy with your $500 iPad one. How are they going to get you? And they've already sold tens of millions of them. How are they going to get you to go out and buy more? Well, I, I remember what Cadillac did in the 50s. They put fins on it. <laughs> I, I don't think they're going to put fins on the iPad. <laughs> but they're going to do something to make the old iPad look old. Detroit's known this for years. It's not that you functionally improve the iPad anyway. You just have to make the old one look old. So that people go, oh, that's old. 
It's the wide tie effect. So I think they'll I think it'll be thinner and lighter. It'll be sexier. <sighs> I wouldn't expect a lot more functionality except for the cameras. Maybe, I'm hoping, they'll put these new processors in it. Apple uses an A4 processor, which is based on the Cortex A8. It's an ARM processor. The new, uh, uh, is that right? Is it the A8? The A9, the new ARM processor that everybody else is using, is dual processor. That's what's in the Motorola Atrix. That's what will be in the Zoom, I think. Uh, is an A9-based processor. So I expect Apple to update their processor to dual core. Two 1 gigahertz chips in the iPad 2. Twice as fast? That's great. What's not to like about that? Do you need it twice as fast? I've never heard one person complain that the iPad's not fast enough. Never. But that, but remember, we're not trying to make it better. We're trying to make it more desirable. Sexier. Sexier. So they won't do a, they will do it thinner. Not smaller, not a smaller screen. No, heaven forfend. Steve's already said nobody wants a smaller screen. Pay no attention to that Samsung Galaxy tab that's already sold over a million units. Pay no attention to that. Nobody wants that 7-inch screen. They want the big screen. So, thin. Thin. Uh, sexy. Maybe a little more battery life. I think they could do that. Faster processor, they could do that. Faster video, they could do that. Maybe more memory, maybe not. I don't know. Um, And a camera, pretty sure. There you go. Some... Somewhat grok in my chat room saying, no, I'll say it. The iPad isn't fast enough. <laughs> He's just, you're just saying that. Anyway, we'll find out. All of this is pure speculation. No one knows. We'll find out on Wednesday, and I certainly will talk about it next week. And you can talk about it today if you want. 8888-ASK-LEO. I am Leo Laporte, the tech guy. Leoport, the tech guy. 8888. Ask Leo. Roseanne, Los Angeles, you're our first caller today. Hi, Roseanne. Hi. Hi, hi. Hi, hi, hi. Hi. I went to look at the $49 iPhone thinking, okay, maybe it's time to upgrade. And of course, they showed me the 199 phone because I said, what's the difference with the new, because the 199 is the newer model, I understand. Yeah, the, they're, they're, they're just dumping the old model off on you. And by the way, right. the newer model is going to be the old model in three months anyway. I know. I know. It's crazy. So you're really getting two generations back. They're trying to get rid of all the three GSs, right. which is fine. I mean, it depends what you're using it for. It is fine, though. But I bet you when you looked at the iPhone 4 and compared the screen on the iPhone 4 to the screen on the 3GS, you went, ooh. Uh, yeah, it, kind of. It's I a mean, lot I'm prettier. A- yeah, I'm a person who uses the phone as a phone. Oh well, don't, you don't you don't need a then a, then a three GS would be fine for you. Thing is that I like to take pictures, even though I have a Nikon, and of course the the camera on the fo- iPhone four is significantly better than the three GS. That's what kind of got me, and of course you do have more iPod capacity. I don't have I don't even have an iPod. 
Yeah, I mean, you you know, this is the funny thing is I think, Roseanne, you get the iPhone and you start using it in ways you didn't think you would use it. I know. I and know. and at that point, look, the real cost of the phone ain't the 50 bucks or the 200 bucks. The real cost of the phone is the 100 bucks a month for the next two years. Uh, yeah. So the $150 savings amortized over those two years, you're talking about eight bucks a month. Right. No, five, seven bucks a month. It's not, it's like... Really? Did you did was it that important to you? But if you could wait, I would wait till June because there is. Are you are you looking at Verizon? I I am an AT and T customer. And I'm You're AT and T. AT and T, and I know you don't like them either. No. Uh, Although, guess what? Consumer Reports just looked at the Verizon iPhone and said, "Hey, it's as bad as the uh, AT and T iPhone in terms of dropping calls." Oh. So now it's official. It's not the the carrier. It's oh. the phone. No kidding. And I would be, I would be, uh, I would be very surprised if Apple didn't attempt to fix that design flaw in the iPhone five. I see. The problem is, uh, it's really expensive for me to. I couldn't afford the six hundred dollar iPhone five. That's uh, that would be a problem. Well, it won't be six hundred bucks. It'll be two hundred bucks. Oh. With the same thing, with the same caveat, you have to extend your contract to two years. All of these are always two hundred bucks subsidized. Oh, I I didn't know that. Yeah. So oh. so what happens is you're on AT&T. If you move to Verizon, they're so happy to get you. They'll give you the phone for 200 bucks or 50 bucks if you want it. I, I wouldn't get the $50 one at this point, especially if you're a photographer. I don't I I didn't think so either. It seemed too good to be true. So yeah. the it June we're talking about, I could wait because I have T-Mobile and the phone is okay, but uh If you can wait, I would. I mean, I know that's a few months, but All right. uh it seems, I have to say, it seems, and this is, by the way, why Apple does not leak anything, because they don't want anybody to say, oh, iPhone 5, it's going to do this, that, and the other, and I'm going to hold off. They want you to buy now. Right. They don't want to undermine their sales for the next three months. But I can tell you, I mean, just from history, that there will be an improvement of some kind. And, you know, the camera may well be where they make an improvement. They've already got a great camera when you add the software on the iPhone to the fairly decent 5-megapixel camera on the iPhone. Right. This replaces a point-and-shoot, I think. I see, which I don't have. I have a regular SLR d- digital, yeah. Yeah, well, yeah, and I, and I do too. And right. if I really care about image quality, I'll use the SLR. But you always have your phone with you. And I can't tell you how many times, even when I was you know, traveling around South America, I used the iPhone because I had it. Yes, yes. And there's things you can do right away. Like if you want, I, I was taking um, panoramas of Machu Picchu oh. and uploading them right away. And I think that that's kind of neat. Right, right, right. I see. So I think sounds like I would probably want to wait until June to, because they will subsidize it and it'll be $200. Oh, yeah. I spent yes, it's always, it's always $200. I see. Okay, I didn't realize that. Well, this is yeah. information. All right. As, as long as you're, do, you know, you're on T-Mobile, so it doesn't matter. But if you're going to a new carrier, 200 bucks. If you're due for a renewal, 200 bucks. If you are under contract still, no, because then... You're getting a new phone before your two years are up. They're going to have to fix that because nobody nowadays people keeping phones for two years seems unlikely. Yeah, sounds good. <laughs> I mean, Apple Apple, which is slow to come out with new phones, comes out with one every year. Yeah, I see. So it's crazy. Yeah, it's crazy. But the real cost is not the cost of the phone because remember, and this is something we don't think about. This phone is going to cost you like over two thousand dollars. It's an expensive computer. You mean over the cost of, um, sorry, over the period of two years? Yeah, because you have to buy a data plan. You have to buy the iPhone plan. It's, you know, it depends on the carrier and 
what plan you get. But generally speaking, it's around eighty, ninety, a hundred dollars a month. Yeah, I, I can. That's the cost. Right, I can get one for thirty nine ninety nine, which is what I have now. That's all I need. Correct. Yeah, if you don't need a smartphone, the smartphones cost more because you pay for data plans. Right. Well, you know what? Um, even AT and T and Verizon, I think you have to take a data plan. You don't have a choice if you buy an iPhone. Right. That's the whole point. Right. You can't get a dumb. Now, if that's what you want to do, you could go out and get a really dumb, cheap feature phone. That's what they call it, dumb phones. They don't want to call them dumb phones. Feature phone and buy an iPod Touch. And then you've got all the iPod software. You know what's weird, though? They didn't put as good a camera in the touch. I wish they had. I see. Yeah. If you get an iPod Touch, then you get uh, all of the same apps that you get on the iPhone. It's just you don't use the wireless carrier's bandwidth. You have to use Wi-Fi. But you don't pay it, but there's no monthly bill. Right. I see. Okay. And the iPod Touch is... is is the, I'm sorry, I'm so technologically backwards at times. That's fine, Roseanne. I think this is good. I think you're right. I don't think it's clear at all. Yeah, yeah. So so Apple makes iPods and they make iPhones. Right. The iPod is a music player. Right. When the iPhone came out, there was a lot of demand from users saying, well, why, you know, why can't I use an iPhone-like device minus the phone part right. for an iPod? And they said, okay, finally, they came out with something they called it the iPod Touch, which is essentially... Uh-huh. An iPhone minus the phone. Oh, I see. I see. So if you want to save money on carrier costs, right. you buy a cheap, dumb phone, and you don't pay data plan or anything, and then you buy an iPod Touch, which is going to set you back 400 bucks. Right. But you know, but there's no monthly fee for that. As long as, But you, the problem with that is it doesn't have any data. You have to use Wi-Fi. Right, and Wi-Fi can be dangerous. From what you say about not at all, not for that. No, it's fine. But, but. yeah, yeah, no, I, I wouldn't worry about that. But but I but I but it does mean you have to be near a Starbucks or in your house or somewhere where you can get Wi-Fi access. Right, which is not which is problematic for me. So yeah, so that's another issue. I see. It's nice having three G. I have to tell you, when I was traveling, huh? and I and I and I didn't want it because it's very expensive to use three G internationally. Oh. Even with if you buy their special plan, it costs a huge amount of money. So I was very judicious about using it. And so I turn it off a lot. And a phone without data is kind of just a phone, no matter how much software there is on it. So I, I have to say, I do, I think it's expensive if you can afford it. And, and that's a big if, but if you can afford it, the iPhone 4 is probably the way to go. And if you can wait yeah. and get the next iPhone, because it will be that much better for the same price. Right. Okay. But you, you can get a data plan for $15. I don't, a month, I don't use it a lot, so I would be very careful. And I don't do texting. Yeah, I can't. I can't I'll have to th- figure out what the cheapest AT and T or Verizon iPhone plan is, but it's it adds up. Believe me. Hey, thanks for the call, Roseanne. Glad I could clarify. Scott Wilkinson coming up, talking home theater right after this.
This portion of the Tech Guy Show is brought to you by Carbonite.com. Backup done right. Online, off-site, automatic. All you got to do is try it right now by going to Carbonite.com and using the offer code LEO. Got to back it up to get it back. So get it right with Carbonite. Now, here he is, ladies and gentlemen, the new host of the Tech Guy Show, Mr. Scott Wilkinson. <laughs> hey, thank you so much for filling in. You did too good of a job. Uh-oh. Yeah. You are not allowed to be better than me. That's not allowed. And Everybody, I tell you, I got uh, from, from the top on down, everybody said, that Scott Wilkinson guy, he's good. Uh, He's well, good. They you loved so you, much. and and all the all the listeners enjoyed two days of home theater. That's great. So thank well, you, Scott. My pleasure. Thank you for giving me that opportunity. It was a wonderful experience. I just had a blast, and uh, the crew there, uh, John and Alex, uh, were great help. Let me tell you, they. <laughs> I had a new appreciation of of what you have to do and keep in mind as you're doing the show. It's quite remarkable. Oh, it's no big deal, but it is good to have some help uh, from time to time. Well, <laughs> and uh, yeah, you're used to it. You know, yeah. you you do you've been doing it for years now, so it's no problem to push this button and then that button and then one thing and another. So uh, I really appreciated John and Alex's help to uh, keep things uh, moving along smoothly. But I have to say, I just had a wonderful time. And, uh, you know, anytime you want to go on vacation, please feel free. <laughs> well, actually, uh, according to the chat room, I should go on vacation now. So, <laughs> no, 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 no. I would never want to usurp you. you. You do such a fabulous job that there's no way I could, I could uh, in any way fill those shoes. But. So for people who uh, bought, went out and bought, ad- against my advice, mm-hmm. 3D TVs and 3D Blu-ray players... <laughs> and only had like two movies you could watch. I guess there's another one out now. Megamind is out in 3D. Is that right? Well, it's actually not out in 3D yet. It uh, it came out on Blu-ray last Friday. Oh, criminy! Uh, Why don't they put it out in 3D? <laughs> well, this is a very good question, and it's really a problem because there aren't very many movies out on 3D. There may be 30 or 40 now, so all told. So that's actually well, that's not too bad. Not too bad. Is it? You, there, you have a long memory. Is this com kind of like it was? When DVDs first came out or when Blu-ray first came out, there were yes, just a handful is. of movies and you just had to live with it? Yeah, that, that's exactly right. Yeah. That's exactly right. And in fact, uh, at CES, one of the uh, manufacturers, Samsung, I believe, said that over a million 3D TVs had been sold in 2010, essentially the first year that they were available. A million suckers! <laughs> I'm going on the rampage here. You are. You are you I've are. decided I'm not holding back. <laughs> Well, I have to say that 3D on a 50-inch TV at the distance people normally sit from their TVs is not really that effective. It just really isn't that good. Um, You need a really big TV, and um, Vizio has a 65-inch. Mitsubishi just introduced a 92-inch rear projector that's 3D capable. Now you're starting to talk about something that's effective in terms of 3D. So the larger the screen you can get, the better it is for 3D. Um, now, I actually went to Dolby Labs here in Burbank uh, yesterday and saw Megamind. They just released it on 2D. We suspect that it's going to be released in 3D as an exclusive bundle. And this is, I got to tell you, one of the stupidest things that the industry is doing, which is releasing a bunch of titles as exclusive bundles. Yeah, it so drives people crazy. Uh, it drives crazy. Because you buy, and I buy, and of course the reason, it's obvious, it's greed. So yeah, yeah, so that's why exactly. it drives people crazy, because you buy the movie, you buy the Lord of the Rings, mm-hmm. and then, oh, you want it in Blu-ray? Oh, buy it again. Oh, you want right. all the extras? Oh, buy it again. 
Oh, you, you want, want it 3D? Oh, buy it again. And well, it's just no, greed. No, I'm, I'm, yeah. Well, I'm talking about the fact that if you want Avatar 3D, the only way to get it until, you know, sometime maybe in the fall is to buy a Panasonic TV or Blu-ray oh, bun- The bundle is with a TV. It bundles oh, even exclusively worse. with a TV. And there's a lot of 3D titles that are that are being sold that way. You can only get them if you buy a Samsung TV or a Panasonic TV. Mm. And I just, I just hate this. Yeah, I just hate this. This is this is shooting themselves in the foot. The the industry, uh, along with the fact that Panasonic glasses don't work with Samsung TVs and vice versa. That the glasses you have to wear, which are these active glasses that that alternate on and off, so that you can, so your right eye only sees the right eye image, your left eye only sees the left eye image. Um, they're completely incompatible. This is so stupid, mm, mm, so monumentally mm. stupid. Do you think people in the um, Internet era, the Twitter era, uh, are more aware of these kinds of greedy moves and more likely to reject them? I mean, people, let's face it, business has always been greedy. They mm, always yeah. have tried to maximize profits at our expense. Well, but I yes, think plus now the fact that, that TVs are, are on razor-thin margins. Right. So, so I understand but I just think that we are uh, the Internet uh, generation, the Internet consumer is much less tolerant of this kind of stuff. Yes, I, I, I think I, we're I in the think age of true. rebellion. <laughs> <laughs> well, we do seem to be in the age of rebellion. We do. We? And I think some of it's because of awareness, because of knowledge. Yeah. Yeah. I, I do agree with that. And I hope the industry picks up on that. Um, certainly, as I say, they're shooting themselves in the foot. If they want more profits, they're probably not getting them because people are not buying because they're mad. They're just making people mad. They're not making more money. They're making people exactly, mad. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. So this, this is a problem. I agree. Um, and yet I have to say that I am still following 3D very closely uh, because it is what's happening now. I mean, you know, I'm a journalist. I have to follow what's happening now. Um, I put up a, a, a poll question a few weeks ago on, you know, when do you think 4K will, will be coming? Because you and I talk a lot about this that 3D is now, and you're always saying, yeah, but when's 4K? Because that's what's really important, and a lot of people agree with you. And, uh, and yet, I don't think it's going to be for several years, because 3D is relatively inexpensive to do. TVs now can already do it. 4K, you've got to build new panels, you've got to have a new delivery system, you're going to have to have a new uh, disc format, and if you want to download 4K, you better have a lot of bandwidth coming into your house. So, so that's going to be a few years down the road, five years, Shorty Dog says in the, in the chat room. And that was the general consensus of the poll question. I said, how long do you think it's going to be until 4, 4K makes it generally into the home? And you can get it now. You could buy a $200,000 4K projector. Yeah, but there's and, no, uh, what would you play into it? Ah, but there is. If you live in L.A. and you join the Bel Air Club <laughs> for a hundred Where do I get an application? I'm exactly. ready to join. Buffy. Buffy. <laughs> Quick, Buffy. Yeah, Hop exactly. in the rolls. Let's head over to the Bel Air Club. What do we get? Exactly. You get a, for a hundred grand entry fee and $4,000 a month, you get a uh, 4K movies delivered to your home, messengered to your home on hard disk servers. I'll take it. <laughs> wow, you're kidding me. No, I'm not kidding. What an you. interesting service. Is the Bel Air Club like a country club? No, no, it's it's a that you get it delivered to your home. No, but I'm saying who are these people and why are they doing this? Well, they're mostly the Hollywood moguls. It's the, you know? it's the fancy people. It's the very fancy people, yeah. <laughs> oh, oh, okay, it's Buffy. The, it's the it's the really high-end Hollywood 
hotshots, you know, the stars and the people who live in Malibu and stuff like that. And they have these $200,000 4K projectors. Um, and, uh, you know, then they get this stuff delivered. Sure. And somebody said that in one of, my, one of the comments on, on that poll was, well, you can get 4K now. Just join the Bel Air Club. I love it. <laughs> well, you know, someday this will happen. And, uh, yeah, it will. It will. And you'll see what I was talking about. And even better than 4K is something called Ultra HD. That's which better? Is like, yeah, it's like 7K pixels, 7,000-something pixels across by whatever number of pixels down. Japan's already working on this. NHK, the, the Japanese um, uh, broadcasting network, the big, um, uh, you know, uh, <clears throat> the yeah. network over there. TV, yeah, NHK. TV, yeah, TV yeah. station, yeah. They, cr- they were the first to do HD. So they they're, were. They're they were. Really they used a, an analog format called Muse, right? And the digital format that we use now kind of kind of took over. But um, they're now working with with what's called Ultra HD. And so some people in the in the comment section of that poll said, "Ah, 4K, old news amazing. already. It's Ultra HD that's going to leapfrog over that." Scott Wilkinson, editor in chief of the Ultimate AV Magazine, ultimateavmag.com. Thanks for joining us, Leo Laporte, the tech guy. Leo Laporte, the tech guy. 8888 Ask Leo. Holy cow, here I am talking to our home theater guy, Scott Wilkinson. And I forgot to mention the big event coming up later today. Scott, you got a performance. Uh, yeah, the Oscars? Eh, no, 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 I wasn't talking about the Oscars. I was talking about your performance. <laughs> big event. I, I have, I have a, I'm playing a concert today. So those of you in L.A. who... Uh, Want to have a little pre-Oscar fun? Are you going to play the sack butt again? No, no, not the sack butt. I'm playing euphonium, otherwise known as baritone horn, okay. uh, in a Balkan brass band, uh, which the Balkans of Romania. Now that um, I want to see in 3D. Bulgaria. Yes, exactly. That area of the world has a surprising tradition of brass bands. And so we're playing a gig from 2 to 5 this afternoon at the Remo Recreational Center in North Hollywood. Uh, the, uh, it's from two to five. So it's before Oscars and we are playing for some Balkan line dancing and for two troops of very attractive belly dancers. (laughs) (laughs) That sure beats Joan Rivers on the red carpet. I think I'll be there. It does. It does. So do you have a, I mean, before we get back to the phones, as long as I got you back on here, do you have a a pick for best movie? Uh, you know, I'm rooting for King's speech. Me too. I loved that. Gosh, I, I that was that such a fantastic movie. Now, it's to me, it seems like the the Academy has a choice between sort of old school King's Speech or new school uh, Social Network. You know, it's yeah, and probably- everybody thought Social Network would be the movie of the year. That was until King's Speech came out. I think yeah. King's Speech is a, is a big King's Speech winner. is wonderful. They're they're both great. Movies. I I predict that uh, Social Network gets a little bit stiffed on the Oscars. It might mm-hmm. only win maybe you know like best best adapted screenplay something like that. I just pre- that's my prediction. <laughs> that's it my could prediction be. i yeah. could be wrong the king speech is so wonderful and <laughs> of it. course my wife being a speech pathologist right uh was very moved by the by the movie and this guy lionel Logue. Uh, in fact when i was up uh guest hosting the show i went over to uh, copperfield's books yeah and got a little bookstore here yeah 
great bookstore in Petaluma, and I got her a copy of the book written by Lionel Logue's grandson based on his diaries. Um, so it's just, it's just That's a neat. wonderful That's story. Neat. And, uh, and definitely I recommend it to everybody, uh, to go see. I think it's... we have actually a little Oscar preview here. Oh, here it is. Who is that? She's so look familiar looking. I, d- I don't know. And the Oscar for best actor goes to Bing Rains, the Piranha 3D. Piranha 3D. Oh, no, you must be so, you must be so happy. That's just so, finally 3D gets recognized. Never gonna happen. Thank you, Scott. Hey, but it could get best movie. You never know. It's not nominated. It's in 3D. Not nominated. Is there any, hey, this is a good question. What's that? Any of the best pictures 3D? Uh, I don't think so. Toy Story 3. Was 3D. Toy Story 3 was in 3D. Yeah, that's true. Uh, is it nominated for best? I think it is nominated for best I think picture. it is. So I there you go. That, by the way, was also the first theatrical release with a 7.1 soundtrack. Discrete seven channels around with, with some rear surround. And channels. now you know why they do that special technical Oscar <laughs> nights before and just dimly remember it. Remember, remember, mem- mention it because right. uh, nobody really, nobody cares. So <laughs> 3D... It would be interesting. I know that Hollywood wants to support 3D, but the fact that they're not doing the Academy Awards tonight in 3D, I think is very telling. I do, too. There's I a do missed too. opportunity. But it, if, it is. It is. If, there are if, now a couple of 24-hour 3D stations on uh, the um, IMAX Discovery Sony station. 3Net uh, is now on 24-7. Um, uh, ESPN 3D uh, has gone 24-7, if not already. There's also... Uh, a uh, couple others that are that are available. I guess you, you you can do 3D on broadcast, right? I mean, there's yeah, no, oh, absolutely. Yeah, it's called it's what's called frame compatible, which means they have to squeeze the left and right images into the same bandwidth that used to be occupied by a 2D image. Um, so they basically do what's called either side by side, which is splitting the uh, resolution in half. I've seen that it. on the World Cup, they did that, and I would turn yeah, in the exactly. 3D broadcast and you'd see two. Like a double box, kind of. A double box, exactly. And then the, the TV decodes that and, and overlays them with a one or two inch uh, space between them. And then you have to wear the glasses to see the 3D. Uh, but it cuts the, the horizontal resolution in half. And maybe that's complain- why ABC just wouldn't want to do it because uh, they would, wouldn't look as good. It wouldn't look as good. And they would cut out a lot of people. And frankly, for a million people who own a TV that can see this compared to the billion people. Yeah, who are going to be the watching Oscars, the show. It's probably yeah. not worth it. Yeah, that's like a tenth of a percent. Yeah. So, um, thank you, Scott. My pleasure. Talk Scott, to you like Scott week. Wilkinson. Uh, and by the way, Monday his Home Theater Geeks podcast. It's going to be is it John? Yeah. Is it John Johnson? Who is it? JJ uh, Johnson. JJ Johnson, the chief scientist of DTS. He's been working on audio codecs for decades, and a very interesting guy. Very strongly opinionated. Should be a great show. Thank you, Scott Wilkinson. Ultimate AV Magazine. At ultimateavmag.com. See you next week, Scott. Betcha. Thank you. Coming up in just a little bit, we're going to talk to Charlie in All Branch, Tennessee. He has an old video card. <laughs> I don't know if that's germane. He does want to copy his VHS tapes. Can he use that old card to do so? We'll talk about it in just a second. Do you, uh, Luis? Do you want me to? You want me to talk about not thirty-two now? Because I'd like to talk. If you don't mind, I'd like to talk about not thirty-two. It's the best little antivirus in the world. Mac and Windows now. If you want to try the Windows version, you go to www. Dot E-S-E-T dot com slash Leo. In this crazy world we live in, 
the question I probably get most often, man, I felt so bad for, we had a call in the last show who uh, got bit by uh, one of them, the, like the blackmail programs. You know, you get the spot, they get the malware on your machine. It says, oh, you've got malware and you can't use anything until you pay us $55 to disinfect. And man, I just thought if you'd only had Nod32 on there, this wouldn't be happening. Nod32 is the, simply the best antivirus out there for Windows. NOD32. It's for my friends at ESET.com. So lightweight. This is important. It doesn't bog your system down. And yet, state-of-the-art protection. That's why CNET just gave it their their Editor's Choice Award, five out of five stars for Nod32. It's got a very sophisticated, they call it a heuristics engine, which detects virus-like activity before it can bite you, even before the definitions are available for download. I want you to try it free for 30 days. ESET.com slash Leo, or you can call 866-935-ESET. If you use Windows, well, you know it. You need Nod32. You do. Now for Mac, too. Charlie in All Branch, Tennessee, you're next. Leo Laporte, the tech guy. Hi, Charlie. Hey, I was just going to give you a couple of amens on that ESET. That's what I use, and it's great. Amen, brother. <laughs> Amen. Good. Now, well, probably- so you like it. Oh, I love it. Uh, and and you probably can't tell I'm from Tennessee because I don't have a bit of an accent. I wouldn't say that. You sound uh, great. I, you well, know, I, I think in some ways it's a shame that with television and everything, now everybody all sounds the same. I think it's great. Sound sound like you come from somewhere. Okay. I've got an old uh, Pentium 4. Uh, I've got a 2.8 processor. It's a 865 Pearl Intel board. I've got a 7500 API on Wonder, which has a video. Oh, camera. yeah, that's a nice, that was a nice little card, and that does have video in on it. Yeah. Now, here's my question. I've actually sort of changed my mind what I was going to ask you. Uh, I've seen these boxes you can get to uh, uh, copy your 8-millimeter uh, films. Right. And you, you put your projector, sign it on it, and you copy it. Oh Is yeah! Oh, you mean you're? Oh, you you when you say eight millimeter, you mean film? You mean eight millimeter film? Super eight Correct. film? Oh, Correct. okay, I've got yeah. Some old nineteen sixty movies, family movies. Yes. Uh, yes. Can you? Do they make a box? I've seen these boxes you can get that has uh, where you can copy slides in front of uh, your film and negatives. So they right. one, you can take individual if you go to, yeah, if you go to, they're very expensive and it's very time consuming, as you might imagine, because right. you've got 24 frames per second that you've got right. to digitize. But if you go to a really high quality film digitizing service, that's often what they do. They have a special machine uh, that they can put the film in and it goes scan, scan. And that's kind of what you would want. But those are extremely expensive. It'll give you the best quality. It'll give you superb quality, but um, it's not practical for home use. Oh, wow, well, that's disappointing. Yeah, well, I mean, okay. well, these the these little uh, these little um, kinescopes. I can't remember what they call them. Something like that. That 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 it basically is a light box with a mirror that you shoot your camcorder into. That's going to give you a pretty good result and a lot faster. Okay. Well, and you can make them, by the way, if you, you can you can get plans for them and make them yourself. It's it's not a complicated thing to do. It's just a mirror and a wooden box that blocks the light, but you can also buy them. Uh, how much how much would the software run? Is there any type of special copy? There isn't. You already have it. You you know, you, you any you have you use a camcorder, so there's no software. You just need a camcorder that you can import from. Okay. 
and then whatever software you want, I'd recommend. I'd recommend uh, Pr- Adobe Premiere Elements. It's under $100. Excellent video editing program, and it's got DVD burning, too, and I think that would do a great job. Leo Laporte, the tech guy. the tech guy and it's time to talk about computers and cameras the internet and cell phones home theater everything that you know has a chip in it that's digital that's what this show is about it's a tech show and i love to answer your questions but i also love to get your recommendations and your suggestions and even your critiques commentaries and corrections 8888 ask leo is the number 888-827-5536 toll free from anywhere in the u.s outside the u.s use skype 888 888- Eight two seven five five three six. Skype out will be toll free. Trucky in our chat room. By the way, our website is uh, techguylabs.com. That's where the show notes are. Thanks to James DeRuvo. And you'll also see a, a, a link there to a, the video of the show because we do stream video. I know it's fascinating watching somebody talk on the radio. Nothing quite like it. We also have a great chat room. That's much more interesting. And uh, that link is also at techguylabs.com. 796 people in there right now. But Truckee asked a question. He said, have you mentioned the Amazon streaming yet? No, I have not. It's interesting that uh, Amazon has gotten into the game competing against Netflix. You you all know what Netflix is. At first, it was DVD by mail, right? You spend uh, $15 a month and you get, get three DVDs. They come in the mail and you watch the movie, send it back, you get a new one, no late fees. I always thought it was a great idea. I've been a Netflix member since they started about seven or eight years ago. And then lately, because it's so easy to pirate a CD, I think the movie industry and the television industry has really been pushing Netflix and others towards digital streaming. A lot harder to pirate a digital stream. Once you got a DVD, it's easy to make a copy on your hard drive. You can make a copy of a digital stream, but it's not as easy and it doesn't look as good. Especially if you're not watching it on a computer, but you're watching it on something like, say, a Roku box or your Vizio or Panasonic TV or Blu-ray players or your PS3 or your Xbox 360. Basically, those are piracy-free platforms, so the movie industry loves them. Netflix even says, yeah, we're moving in that direction. Mostly because the movie, movie industry is shoving them in that direction by doing things like restricting the number of DVDs they can have of any given movie, by telling Netflix you can't have a movie for a month after it's in the the video stores or on video on demand. That's very common. Um, by charging them more for those movies, they really want to move everybody towards a streaming model. And you know what? I don't mind. Quality's not as good, but. Isn't it great to be able to sit down at your TV and choose from thousands of different movies on the spur of the moment, not have to go out to a video store or, or, or go online and pick a movie and wait till it's mailed to you? I think that's nice. Now, when Netflix first started doing this a couple of years ago, their, 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 their selection was pretty limited. It's gotten bigger and bigger. They've really gotten aggressive. And I think the movie industry in the long run is going to say reward them for doing this by saying, yes, you can have everything. We prefer you do that to DVDs. 
So it's it's a growing market for uh, Netflix, and I think Netflix themselves says uh, this is where we're headed. We want to get rid of discs too. Costs them a lot of money to mail it, give you the postage paid mailer to get it back. They got to process it. Much easier to do the digital, cheaper. Well, now Amazon is in the game. Amazon uh, is trying this out. A far fewer movies, only five thousand movies to choose from. And I'm not sure, initially I thought, oh, Amazon's going after Netflix. But after I think about this a little bit, I realize it may not be the case. Because when you search for a movie on Amazon to watch it streaming, they'll also show you the rental version, the DVD version to buy. I think, in fact, it's a great way, especially with a, with a restricted list, for Amazon to get you to buy more movies, to rent more movies. Yeah, these are free, but that movie you're looking for, that's not free. That'll cost you two ninety nine to rent. Clever. I think, they, I think they plan to make money on it. Right now they're offering it free, but only to Amazon Prime subscribers. Man, these guys know how to market. You, you know what Prime is? Prime, you pay the privilege. You pay for the privilege. 79 bucks of shopping at Amazon. What do you get for it? Well, you get free two-day shipping. And, and, and if you use Amazon a lot, it's a great deal, and it certainly seals you in. As a Prime member myself, I know. I always search for something first on Amazon. Why? Because free shipping. Free two-day shipping. I know I'll get it day after tomorrow. As long as the price is competitive, I'm going to go for Amazon. So this, this is a big win for Amazon. Not only do they get you looking on Amazon's site for movies that probably you can't watch streaming, but you can buy. So they're going to get more purchases. They also encourage you to pay 79 bucks as one more premium, one more reason to become an Amazon Prime member. And that's in their interest because it means you're locked into Amazon for all your purchases. Very clever. These guys are brilliant marketers. Quality on streaming uh, for Netflix and Amazon, pretty good. Pretty good. Uh, and uh, the, the real issue for Amazon is right now almost all the DVD, the new Blu-ray DVD players, most of the new TVs, the Roku box and all these other boxes, the Boxy box and the Google box and all that stuff, for the most part, support Netflix, but don't necessarily support streaming from Amazon. They need to, and they don't have the iPad and the iPhone apps and all of that stuff that Netflix has. But, but I'd love to see the competition. To me, that's a great thing. Harry, Torrance, California. He's our next caller. Hi, Harry. Leo Laporte, the tech guy. Hey, good morning, Leo. Good morning. Um, we're looking at the, the 52-inch uh, Sharp uh, Aquas LC55LE925. I, I like the Sharp Aquas a lot. I don't, uh, I don't really go for this Quattro thing they're doing. Oh, the Quattro Color? Yeah. Yeah. That's nonsensical. Because oh, really? Yeah, because no signal is sent out with that fourth color. It's all red, green, blue. Nobody says red, green, blue, yellow. So so what if the TV can see yellow? <laughs> it, does not, it doesn't matter. It's a gimmick. A- and believe me, the television companies aren't reluctant to do gimmicks. On the other hand, I think sharp TVs are excellent. So uh, just don't worry about the Quattro one way or the other. I wouldn't pay more for Quattro. Right. Even if... Even if Mr. Sulu says, oh, my, <laughs> I would, that doesn't, doesn't do anything for me. Well, there was talk uh, on the Internet, uh, I didn't quite get it, of some additional capability that they're supposed to have. But uh, 
Well, they do. I mean, but it doesn't. But if you can't get any content with that additional capability, it doesn't really matter. Well, I mean, uh, uh, they're going to add something to it next year, but they were trying yeah. to get them out. Maybe next year. <laughs> you know, talk to me next year. And to be honest, um, even if it has a yellow channel, there's no evidence that that's going to make it better somehow. They show, you know, I've seen this TV, of course. They showed it last year at CES and again this year at the Consumer Electronics Show. And what they show is a lot of pictures of trumpets, <laughs> things with yellow in it. And boy, the stuff, you know, the yellow jumps. Yeah, fields of yellow flowers. Fields of yellow flowers. But how much stuff do you watch? With, <laughs> I mean, how often is this needed? And does it improve the overall color of the television? In my opinion, no. I, I think Scott Wilkinson, our home theater guy, agrees with me 100%. I know he uh, he he and I both mock Quattro. Oh, really? Yeah. Uh, how would that compare to the Bravia? The Brevia, the Sony Brevias, those are Bravias, those are also excellent uh, TVs. I you know, I'll be honest, I'm kind of a Samsung bigot. I think the Samsung plasmas or the Samsung LCDs, you want the LED backlit, LED backlit LCDs. I oh, think right. are the right. are the best TVs out there, but I think Sharp. I've had Aquoses for years. I like Sharp Aquoses. I got. I don't think anything's wrong with them. I think they're very good televisions. Sony's Brevias are uh, Bravias are excellent. Mm-hmm. Are excellent. Um, they they're they're look good looking. I'm just a Samsung fan. Yeah, I I like them myself. So. Yep, yep. If you know when I go out, well, actually, I the the two TVs I own are Pioneer Plasmas. Back when Pioneer still made. Plasmas, they were, in my mind, and, and Scott also agrees with me, the best TVs made. In fact, when he said they're not going to make the Kuro anymore, I immediately went out and bought a Kuro just because I wanted to have that TV. Uh-huh. But uh, but if I were buying a TV today, I'd buy a Samsung. Okay. Well, that helps me out. I'm- Thanks. Enjoy your new TV. I'll tell you, whatever you get, make sure you get a Blu-ray player, and you're just going to love it. it. I mean, all of them look fantastic. Leo Laporte, the tech guy. 8888 Ask Leo. That's the phone number. Chris Marquardt, our photo experts, coming up in just a little bit. Yes, I took a lot of pictures on vacation. I went to South America. Had a blast. Met fans in Buenos Aires. Then uh, we went to the Falkland Islands. Sailed down the east coast of South America, the Falkland Islands, through Patagonia, the Chilean fjords, the Straits of Magellan, around Cape Horn, which turns out is actually an island you can sail around. Little did I know. We had good weather for the uh, transit of the Cape, thank goodness, because it can be very bad. It's very it's very treacherous there. But no, it was sailed around that. Uh, went up the coast of Chile. Beautiful. Ended up in Valparaiso and then went to Machu Picchu, the uh, Incan ruins. Took a uh, well over 4,000 pictures at <laughs> <in> that time. <laughs> and they're sitting on my hard drive. And one of these days, <laughs> one of these days, I'm going to go through them. I tell you, it's a, it's a bit of a chore. Maybe Chris can help me with that when Chris Marquardt joins us in just a few minutes. What do you do after vacation? Just put them on a hard drive, don't look at them, come back later? 
I think what I think what I'm going to do is tomorrow I have a day off. I'm going to just whiz through them. You know, I use a program called Lightroom, which I love. Adobe Lightroom is about, it's expensive. It's about 300 bucks, but it's a great program for this kind of thing. Going through a lot of pictures, picking the ones you want, fixing them up, cleaning them up, putting them out on the internet. It just it does it automates it so simply. It's kind of like a, a Apple's Aperture. Aperture now is only eighty dollars, so it's really a compelling if you have a Macintosh. Um, but so I'll go through it in Lightroom. I'll pick the pictures. You know what you do is you hit the tilde key to select a picture. So I'll just go next, next, next tilde, next, 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 next tilde. You know, and pick the pick the pictures that aren't awful. <laughs> Eliminate all the ones that are awful, and then go through the next and go. You know, a couple. But I'm gonna ask Chris Marquardt if that's the best way to do it. Meanwhile, Fred San Antonio, Leo Laporte, the tech guy. Hi, Fred. Hello, Leo. How are you? Thanks for taking my call. I'm well. Thanks for calling. Um, I have a Canon 7D camera. and Love that camera. Excellent uh, camera. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm loving it. I'm, my my dud-to-keeper ratio is well improved with it. Yes. Um, yeah, as it should be because you've, you're getting great images, but also you're, with any digital camera, when you can look, take a picture, review it, take a picture, review it, you're going to get better quickly. Without a doubt. I upgraded the lens to a 28-135 millimeter, and, uh, you know, every place I look on the Internet, the L lenses are all the rage, and I, I rented a couple of L lenses uh, late last year. And to be honest with you, I just didn't really see any perceptible difference in the, in the final photo, and I was wondering if you could help me understand why an L lens could cost anywhere from double to, you know, 10 times the amount of a, a conventional lens. Yeah, Canon... Canon um designates its top-of-the-line lenses as L. They have a, and you can tell, the aficionados can tell, because there's a red ring around the front part of the lens. And so, you know, if you're amongst camera fans, they look at your camera and they can tell if you've got a Canon L or if you're not. You're right. You, you may not notice the difference. And, and especially on uh, a 7D, anything less than a full-frame camera, you might not notice the difference. If you do go to the 5D... Uh, where you have a sensor that is a full 35 millimeters, it's about two, it's about a third bigger than the one you're using. Um, then it does become important because the acuity of the lens, really the difference between an L and a regular, all Canon lenses are good. The difference really is in acuity, accuracy, and it becomes more important when you're when you're using a bigger pickup than when you're using a smaller one. I think you're probably fine. If you're happy with the way it looks, uh, and you've compared it. I think you were very smart to rent it. It's cheap to rent lenses. And I think it's a very good idea. Come, do a comparison. And if you feel like you're getting great images, all Canon lenses are fine. It's just that the L's are just a little bit more. And, you know, are they that much, much better for the price? I don't know. I'm going to, I'll tell you what, I'll ask Chris Marquardt. Um, but if you are, I would say with a 7D, I wouldn't worry so much. If you do go to the 5D at some point, th- then... That would be the time to, to move up. Now. Right. The more megapixels you're shooting, the more detail you're demanding of that camera, the better the lens has to be. And they're and they're also more rugged and so forth. You know, they're they're better built and so forth. So if you're gonna take it to Antarctica, you might want to look at an L lens. There if you go to uh I'm trying to remember where the site is. It DP Review. I think DP Review has a thing they do about lens acuity. Uh, where they rate lenses, I would look at dpreview.com. And you can see the, they, they can actually make a graph of where the acuity drops off. And so you can see, not by looking, but but by actual test measurements, 
what you're sacrificing. And I, I agree with you. I mean, the L lenses are very expensive. Yeah. So if you, if you don't notice a difference, I wouldn't worry about it. Very good. Well, thanks. Hey, thanks. Thanks for the call, Fred. Enjoy your, you got, it's a great hobby. I'll tell you, I love digital photography. I love it so much. I enjoy it. And, um, and I spent a lot of money on good, on lenses and cameras, but, uh, but when you go somewhere like Machu Picchu and the, the Inca ruins in Peru, and you know you're never going to get back there, uh, the, the, having good equipment makes a difference because you know you, you're going to have the best possible images. It's a great subject. I will ask Chris Marquardt. He's coming up, our photo guy, in just a little bit, what he thinks. Is it worth buying an L lens? Or when should you buy an L lens? Spend that extra money. Victor in Santa Clara, California, listening to the great KGO in San Francisco. Hi, Victor. Hi, thank you very much, Leo. I have a comment about that Panasonic uh, projection uh, uh, 3D. It uses six, um, what do you call, DLP chips. And the wow. viewer has to actually be eating sitting uh, the right angle. Otherwise, um, probably it's not going to come out well unless the, uh, the lens would adjust. However, my That's interesting. Is- a, lot of, a lot of rear projection and uh, TVs are like that. The angle uh, is important. I never yeah. thought about that, but you're right. Probably on a 3D TV, it would be an issue. Yeah, unless you yeah. either just uh, change the angle of the uh, the TV itself, the projection, or the uh, uh, what do you call the lenses on your uh, glasses. Yeah. Um, my question is that I have a old Dimension 4600 Dell. I've been very ha- happy with it, and uh, I also have a laptop. My laptop down. To, uh, I'm using Comcast. Uh, download on my laptop is fantastic. However, on my uh, desktop, uh, I'm using also Wi-Fi. It's pretty bad. Uh, upload is pretty good. So I was wondering what what could be the problem. So you're using both are Wi-Fi. You're using the same network. Yes. Uh, and in the desktop is slower on download. Uploads are fine, but desktop is slower on download than the laptop. Right. Yeah. And I I don't want to change to uh, the Ethernet cable connection. Okay. Now, have you have you just? I would just try this. There's a, a site called speedtest.net. I did have a uh, what it's called speedtest.net, and there's mm-hmm. another one which is called speed. That's where I got the numbers. Speed and and you and and those speed tests did say there's a significant difference. Yes. yes Interesting. Definitely. Yes. So I mean, it could be. I got a couple of IT guys here, so I'll look at them while I'm saying this. But uh, I got. I mean, it could be a number of things. You know, it could be software on the machine. There's something wrong. Maybe uh, you, what ver- are you running the same version of Windows on both? Uh, well, the other one is my laptop is on the uh, HP AMD chip, and uh, my desktop, of course, is. Uh, uh, is I don't the, think it's uh, the processor, but the but the, the XP. They're all XP. Yes, they're all XP. Yeah, yeah XP's XP's um, stack IP stack is not the greatest. They've rewritten it for the later versions of Windows, but they're both XP. Let me think about this. I don't know. Leo Laporte, the tech guy.
This portion of the Tech Guy Show is brought to you by my internet service provider, VSL Extreme. For high-speed internet at an amazingly low price, call 866-2-GET-NET to get DSL Extreme. Leo Laporte, the Tech Guy. 8888-ASK-LEO is the number. Fortunately, we just got a bunch of camera questions, and I've got a guy with the camera answers on the line right now. He's the host of the Tips from the Top Floor podcast, Chris Marquardt, our regular photo guy joining us. Hey, Chris. Oh, wait a minute. I turned you down. Speak again. Hello, Leo. How (laughs) are you? I'm great. Uh, Chris is uh, available online at chrismarquardt.com. He does uh, workshops. In fact, he's coming to the States in uh, the summer. You can find out I'll more be about there in August. Yeah. That's exciting. More about those shows, uh, those, uh, po- and you're doing the cruise too. I'm going to tell you about that in a second, but you can find out more about that <laughs> at discoverthetopfloor.com. And, uh, next year, uh, you know, the cruise I was on is a geek cruise. It's fun. The Mac mania next year's Mac mania 13 will be a cruise down the Rhone and Moselle rivers. It's the 14. Is it 14? Wow. It is 14. <laughs> yeah. Number 14. They've done a lot of these in the last 10 years. Uh, and Chris Marquardt will be one of the uh, lecturers on there. So if you like, if you want to learn about photography and you want to do it in a beautiful, beautiful place. Oh, Germany is awesome for that. Oh. I, <laughs> I went, when I, when I, when I kind of, when I heard that, oh yeah, I could do one of those. I was hoping that it wasn't an Antarctica cruise, but turned out to be my backyard. But well, it's, it's good you beautiful. didn't go on the Antarctica <laughs> cruise. You know, I was very, I was one of the reasons, one of the things that really motivated me to go on the most recent one, although I love Mac Manias because uh, you know, it's really fun to go on a cruise with a bunch of Mac fans and just talk about geek out and Waz was there and stuff. But um, one of the things, as you know, that I was so excited about was a chance to go to Antarctica. And uh, I know we were going to talk about what to do with my Antarctica pictures today, but that fell through. The, uh, you know, Holland America, I guess, uh, probably should have mentioned that they've never made it. Well, but you, but you still brought like how many pictures did you Two, bring? I brought uh, four thousand pictures. I took. Okay, uh, in, in so three you're weeks. you're now sitting in front of this huge mountain of pictures. It's like you know, oh, you know what I call that? What? I call that DES digital backlog syndrome. I have digital backlog syndrome big time. <laughs> you must I, experience I, that. Everybody who shoots digital probably experiences that from time to time. I get emails from from photographers all the time telling me that they have thousands of pictures sitting back on their hard drives and um, they don't really know what to do with them. And uh, they, they don't really dare go out to shoot new pictures because there are so many sitting there waiting for them. So um, I, and I fought that and I kind of found a solution for myself. And that is to to um, turn that thing into smaller chunks. If you go at that, <laughs> at the huge mountain of thousands of pictures um, that is pretty frightening, but if you if you do like several passes over that, like like you do a first pass, you use use the app of your choice, be it Picasa or or Lightroom, and uh, and look what kind of a way to mark your pictures you have in there. Like in Lightroom, for example, you have the little white flag which you can yeah the tilde key uh, flags it, and so or the peaky yeah. What you're saying is. There's some stuff that's obvious, you know, it's out of focus or it's just like exactly. you took a picture of the ground by accident. So get exactly. rid of the worst stuff. So um, actually, I, I go the other route. I I go and pick the ones that I want to keep, which yeah. is uh, a bit of a more friendly approach towards your pictures, right? No, <laughs> so, but this is hard because I've I, I've lived with these pictures. I, I, I took them. I remember them. How do you know which to keep? You know, sometimes I, my finger hovers over the key. Keep it? I don't know. So if I if I'm not sure, should I just not keep it? Well, in, in that case, what those apps usually allow you to do is to mark the pictures without deleting them right away. So you can, can freely well, go, go and them. trust. 
I never trust your gut. Trust your gut and just mark them. Um, yeah. And and if you if you later on decide that that was a bad choice, you could still revert that. So you, you don't have to decide on the spot. And then you go through them for the first pass, and you mark the ones you want to keep, and and sort those also out from the ones you don't want to keep. And then next step is to only look at the ones you want to keep, and to give them uh, a rating. You have these usually these little star ratings, one right. through five stars. And um, what I then do, that's my method, and I, it just works really well for me. I mark the pictures between one and three stars. I'm, the four and five stars, they are reserved for, for the next step. But this okay. one is one through three okay. stars. So, so the first thing I'm going to do is go through all 4,000 pictures and yes. select the ones that I at least want to take a second look at. And be fast at, the, at, the, at that boom, point. Boom, 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 really, boom, boom. Yeah. One second per picture. Really fast. Trust your gut. Trust and I'm your not gut. deleting the rejects. I'm not deleting because oh. the hard drive space is cheap. I'm, I'm going to exactly. leave them on the hard drive. But I am going to now take them out of the stack. And you can do this very easily. You can say only looked at flagged pictures. Okay. You can set up a filter or something. Yeah. yeah. Now I go through and I don't rate one through five. I rate one through three. One through three. So um, my rule here is one star for the pictures that are... Uh, Okay, not not bad enough to delete, but um, not really good ones. But the, the the documentary ones, you know, the ones that you probably don't want to show, but you want to keep for yourself. Two stars. The pictures where you think, no, could I could do something with that? Might need some work, but I I could probably improve on that. And the three star pictures are the pictures that you clearly know that. Oh yes, that's a good one. That's a keeper. Uh, I certainly want to keep that. So next step. That's the third pass, and that's the key pass. Now you go through all the three-star pictures. Those, Those are the are ones the, we're for sure going to, we are worth yep. the effort. We know, we looked at them, and we went, wow. Yep, and, and by now you have, you, have, uh, you have pared down your selection to maybe from 4,000 to, let's say, 100 or 200. Right. That's the three-star picture. I think that's, so that's right. a yes. Much, if, much smaller if, chunk to work with. If you're a good photographer. For me, it might be a few dozen. But anyway. There's which is cool. Which is cool. Which is cool. Number. You might still, you might still be, be able to promote a two-star picture. But now we're looking at the three-star pictures right. only. And that pass, that is now when you actually start working on those pictures. That's when, when, you, uh, when, when you stop using the left brain and start using the right brain. You go all creative and you do all the corrections and the rotation and the cropping and whatever you want to do with your pictures. And at that point, you decide... Did I improve on that? Is it a four-star picture now? Mm-hmm. Is it maybe even a five-star picture? The five stars are the ones that I want to uh, print out, maybe put in a gallery, hang up on a wall. Put on Flickr. Really show the world, put on yeah. Flickr. The four stars, yeah, maybe. But this way, I I really reduce that set of um, maybe 100 pictures at that point to maybe 50 that I really want to keep. 50 is a um, lot. You, do, you know, you don't want to kill people. Out of 4,000? Yeah, yeah, maybe. 50 is a lot. Mm-hmm. I think no matter so, how many pictures you took originally, you don't right. ever want to put more than 50 of a trip up. That's just a lot of pictures. And then, and then if you're then not, <laughs> not yet fed up with your own pictures, that's when you look at the two-star pictures and, and look if you might have <laughs> sorted something in there that might deserve to go up to three stars or maybe four stars or maybe even five stars. And then a week later, two weeks later, that's when you can have a look at the rejected pictures and uh, decide if you might have been too fast if your trigger finger was too fast to delete one now somebody's asking a great question in the chat room is creative lighting and pictures cheating in other words how much can i modify that picture without somebody saying well that's not a you painted that 
Oh, we're not talking about journalism here. We're talking right. general. We're talking about art here, right? Ex- we're, we're if, talking it, about if you can make it look fantastic, do anything goes. Anything goes. There's nothing wrong with that. If it, if it, if your audience doesn't like the picture, well, then maybe you you're not showing that picture to the right audience. Right. I am totally for doing whatever it takes to take the picture, as long as you don't step on anyone else's toe. You, you shouldn't. It's you shouldn't art, probably... not journalism. It's art. Now. You might, and I have this as an ethos, maybe because I have a little bit of a journalistic side to me. I don't want to modify the picture so much. Like I I have now, some people will do this, and in fact, I was somebody on our trip did this. He took some dolphins from one picture, a sky from another picture, a ship from a third picture, and made them one picture. That's art, and that's fine. I wouldn't go that far. I want my pictures to at least look like the thing that was there. But I'm just trying to bring them, bring them up. but you're already making a choice by pointing the camera in a certain direction, right. by, by choosing the, the point in time when you press that button. So you, you're already doing some editing while you're there. That's true. And playing with the light, that is just another thing. You might, you might take something out of the picture that doesn't belong there or doesn't look nice, maybe a leaf or a twig. I or, do do that. Or, well, and uh, if you've yeah. got some schmutz on the lens or whatever, I do do that. Absolutely. Yeah. Chris Marquardt, you're such an inspiration. I can't wait now to get to my photos. C-H-R-I-S-M-A-R. Q-U-A-R-D-T dot com. Thank you, Chris. We'll talk again next week. Absolutely. Leo Laporte, the tech guy. Leo Laporte, the tech guy. 8888. Ask Leo. Scott Pasadena, listening to the Mothership KFI in Los Angeles. Hey, Scott. Hey, Leo. Uh, Good afternoon from LA. Um, Quick question. I have several websites, but one in particular that I have an amazing opportunity to plug and promote uh, in April. And I want to build an app, or ha- rather have an app built for it. And I just, I, I mean, what should I expect and how long it will take? How much is it going to cost? Should I do it here? Should I go to India? You know, oh, that's interesting. So, you, so you're a content guy. You're, you're, I know your site. It's, it's, I'll say it once. Fartopia.com, right? <laughs> F-A-R-T-O-P-I-A.com. And uh, I think it, it, this is a natural for an app because... There's a lot of content on it. There's video. There's audio. It's a multimedia website, right? That's correct. But I guess even a textual website could have an app. What an app does is it is it it, uh, it encourages people to kind of visit you more regularly. Um, uh, the simplest apps are really just kind of a encapsulation of the website within a you know a box. I think in some ways I bemoan this because I I love the free-flowing information of the Internet. I love cross-linking. I love the way the browsers, you know, work. And I think the appification of the world, in a way, is building fences around content. Uh, and so I'm... But but on the other hand, as a content creator myself, there's certainly value from a promotional point of view. We do have apps for my podcast network on all the major platforms. Uh, well, then how about, like, an like the... the, the the app for like animating or you know, they have those little gnome Christmas dancing cartoonify yourself kind of things. I mean, those exactly. are exactly. 
Ah, that's good. So instead of saying, I'm going to take the content from the website and put it into an app, you want an app built around the concepts of the website, but it isn't the website itself. Exactly. Yeah, I like that. I think that's a great idea. Um, there are a lot of app developers out there. In fact, in some ways, I think there is a uh, an overabundance of app developers because um, a lot of people jumped on this bandwagon. <laughs> And, uh, you know, I even look in the universities now, and they're all giving courses, Stanford and MIT and everybody, on mobile app development. Everybody sees this as the next big thing. It's almost a gold rush. So that means there are a lot of people out there who can do it, which is good news for you because it means prices go down. Um, do you, you? I take it you don't want to do this yourself. Oh, well, no, because I don't think that I could get it done. I mean, I could probably learn it and do it because I had to do that with, like, Joomla CMS platform in order to build my site. But. Oh, you're on Joomla. That's cool. Yeah, yeah. yeah well, I mean, uh, one of our people in our chat room uh, is saying uh, there's a site called Red Foundry, redfoundry.com, that is app programming without code. It's kind of, and a lot of, and a lot of like I can has Cheeseburger and other content sites are using this to generate, not, not the dedicated app so much, but as a, but as but a, a content based app that's based on your content, um, so what? It's called Red Foundry, and you could do this yourself. So it might be the first place to at least start. Now you have to pay ninety nine bucks to Apple to become a developer for the iOS. It's free to do that for Android. Um, Red Foundry kind of gives you all of the stuff you need. In a way, what it does, boy, if you look at the people who are using it, it's pretty impressive. In a way, what it does is it um, it just puts a, a wrapper around the content that that you already have, so videos, text, audio, that kind of thing. It might be a good way to start. Uh, pricing is pretty straightforward. There's a free version, but you'll probably want to pay for one of the paid versions, which range from forty dollars to two hundred dollars per month to use. Um, and but what you get is things like push notifications and stuff like that. I think for you, this is a, certainly an interesting place to start. Then there are lots of places like elance.com. You can find programmers. I like elance, E-L-A-N-C-E dot com. If you're on the Android side, uh, there is App Inventor, which uh, is uh, is uh, Google offers that. It's pretty limited in what you can do, but at least it can give you a start. It can give you a presence. Well, perfect. Thank you. Then I guess the last question is, how long uh, does it take to build and get one of these things up? Is it like a week or two, or, or is it? Is it is Depends it, on the complexity of it and how much testing you want to do and so forth. And of course, you then have to wait for Apple on iOS to say yes, and that could take a few weeks to months. Took it took them a year to approve Google, <laughs> the Google Voice app. So, um, I would I would say uh, you know a simple app with a full time programmer. You're talking several weeks to a month because you want to build it, test it, roll it out as a beta, make sure people get a chance to bang on it for a while, find any problems with it. But you could have something in a month. That's perfect. Uh, yeah, that's, a, that's a very simple content-focused app. You, you want something that's really elaborate. You want, Let's say you want to do elf bowling. Well, you, you're going to have to have somebody prog- write a program, f- you know, for this game. That could take a lot longer, depending on uh, how elaborate it is and so forth. So it really, it really varies. You know, we have a number of app programmers in our chat room. You can go into uh, the chat room at, uh, just go to techguylabs.com. 
Um, Dimitri Lialin uh, is a great programmer who wrote a Windows, he works for Microsoft, he wrote a Windows Phone 7 version of our uh, podcast app that is just spectacular called Twit. Uh, there's a Twit app for the iPhone, too, that Craig Mullaney of uh, ShiftKey Software wrote. Uh, Craig's usually in the chat room as well. Um, uh, both of them are very knowledgeable, and they can give you some idea of the kinds of things involved. And I think Craig will do contract programming. He's a great guy. So uh, he did a great job for us. Um, did the Twit I, If you want to see what he does, uh, the Twit iPad app and the Twit iPhone app are both from Craig. ShiftKeySoftware.com. How much will it cost? Just really depends. It's like asking how much does it cost for a website. More than you would like it to cost. <laughs> Many tens of thousands of dollars. Um, sometimes they'll do it by the hour, sometimes by the project. And again, if you don't know anybody and you want to just start from scratch, Elance, E-L-A-N-C-E dot com has a lot of very talented programmers on there. And you, and you know what? You don't care where they are. They might be in, uh, they might be in Russia. They might be in Indonesia. They might be in Asia. Uh, they might be anywhere. You don't care. That's the, that's the beauty of the internet. Hey, before I uh, go on, uh, and we are going to talk in just a second to Logan from Yorba Linda, who is having trouble with his mouse. It's just not doing what it should do. I would like to talk a little bit about my friends at Carbonite.com. This is the backup solution I recommend, the one that I put on my daughter's computer when she went to college. I did not want to get that phone call. Daddy, I lost my term paper. No. I don't have to worry about it. Carbonite's kind of cool. Carbonite's online backup. It's automatic. You install it. In fact, you could try it free for 15 days. Just use my name, Leo, at Carbonite, C-A-R-B-O-N-I-T-E dot com. And uh, when you install it, it'll start backing up your personal data to the Internet. Now, of course, it depends on the speed of your Internet, how long it's going to take, how much data you have. That's why they want you to try it for a couple of weeks, just to see. Uh, but the beauty of it is once you've got that full backup, the incremental backups take no time. They don't slow your com- Nothing slows your computer down or your internet down. It's doing it all in the background, just kind of automatically. And, uh, and, and anytime you need that data, you don't even have to wait till there's a hard drive crash. It's basically cloud storage of all your personal data. You just log on to your Carbonite account from any computer. There's a free iPhone app, free BlackBerry app, and there's your stuff. Encrypted if you want, so it's completely private. It uses a SSL, so you can use it at an open access point and not worry about anybody snooping on your stuff. I just love it. Carbonite's done right in every respect. Mac or PC, free for 15 days. Carbonite.com, use the offer code LEO. If you decide to buy $55 a year for all the personal data on your internal drive. 15 cents a day. It's an amazing deal. And if you use my name, Leo, you'll get two free months. Carbonite. You got to back it up to get it back. So do it right with Carbonite.com. Use the offer code Leo. Logan, you're Belinda, California. Hi, Logan. Leo Laporte, the tech guy. Hi. Did I press the... Hey, Logan. Hi. Hey, what's up? You're on the air. Speak to me, my friend. Speak to me. All right. Um, my mom signed me up. Signed up for this uh, Google Chrome OS laptop. We got it. Yeah, you got a CR48. How exciting. I know. Awesome. That's exciting. So this is the Chrome OS that Google's been pushing. The idea, Google has two operating systems they're doing, both free, both open source, widely available. Android, of course, is the one that's on the on the smartphones, uh, the Android phones. But then there's also uh, this Chrome OS, which is new and still in beta. And the idea behind Chrome OS is really it's just a browser. But because it's just a browser, you can use web apps, and there are quite a few in the Google Web Store. You can you can surf, of course. You can do email. You can do a Google Apps. So there's 
you know, there's a lot of power in this. It's all in the cloud. There's very little storage on this laptop, but it's highly secure. Uh, it's all sandboxed. The, the idea is to make a completely secure computer that, uh, that for anybody, you know, it's inexpensive. But I understand you're having problems. And Logan, I have to take a break. So hang on. You'll be the first out of the box when we come back. Okay. Leo Laporte, the tech guy. Leo Laporte, the tech guy. Time to talk about computers, the internet, cell phones, camcorders, MP3 players, home theater, and a whole lot more. 8888-ASK-LEO is the phone number. If you want to talk about tech, I'm ready to do it. Forgot to ask Chris Marquardt about the L-Lens thing. I did, didn't I? We had a caller last hour who was saying, should I spend umpteen zillions of dollars on the top-of-the-line lenses from Canon? The L lenses, and this is—I don't know what they call them, what Nikon calls them—but every every uh, every lens manufacturer has kind of their high end, and then they're less expensive. Should I spend the money? And I should have asked Chris Marquardt what he thinks. In my opinion, it, you know, the advantages of high end lenses are maybe they're better sealed or more rugged, and the optics are going to be finer. The optics on all of Canon's lenses are just fine. They're certainly not going to sell a, a lens with bad optics. I mean, they've got a reputation to maintain. So unless you're using uh, maybe the one of the full-frame sensors, or you know, if, if, you're, if your megapixel count's going over 20, maybe you care. The more megapixels, of course, the, the better the acuity of the lens needs to be to keep up. And if you're going to Antarctica or uh, the Himalayas, maybe you want to get a more rugged lens. But in normal circumstances, absolutely, it's fine. In fact, even an off-brand lens, the Tamrons and the Sigmas of the world, they're very good. If you don't see a difference, I wouldn't worry about it. Same thing, you know, it's the same advice you'd give for a TV. If you can't tell, it's good enough. Mason is, uh, wait a minute now, before I go on, we were talking with Logan in uh, Yorba Linda, California. And uh, he was having trouble with his Google laptop his cr48 first of all everybody's wondering how'd you get that logo what did you do i mean how did you uh, you just apply it and they just sent it to you one day well what i did is like months and months and months ago my mom signed me up for it and then your like, mom rocks i hope you thanked her profusely i did <laughs> thank you mom thank you Logan. thank you isn't that great and then it just arrived one day yeah just like randomly they didn't send me they didn't send email, anything. They just appeared on my door. That's pretty cool when a laptop just comes out of nowhere for free. Yeah. Did they say anything? Did they say like, well, in return for this laptop, you need to do anything? Well, what basically in the, um, in the, uh, towards the upper, um, right-hand corner, there's a little bug and that lets you report bugs. Yeah, so I think it's fair, isn't it? They're asking you to be 
a beta tester, a bug tester. And so if you find something, you should click that little bug and tell them. Yeah. Isn't that great? Well, now you are having some trouble, I hear. Yes, I am. What's the matter? Well, when I'm typing like a Google Docs or like a blog post, um, there's a, I, I'm typing and then the, the mouse, the cursor starts. Oh. Like, yeah, because I know what's going on. Is this your first trackpad that you've ever had? I've had several trackpads, and the nice, the nice thing about my other one is that there's a button to turn off right. the pad completely and just use the mouse. Right. Or, uh, and Windows has it, I, I, you can have it, there's a setting that says, when I'm typing, ignore the mouse. Because what happens is, I'm sure this is what's happening with you, is as you type, you probably learned how to type right with your fingers on the home keys and everything, except that the palm of your hand is resting on the trackpad and moving the mouse while you're typing. Yeah. Yeah, that's what's going on. Um, given that this is a, you know, this is not a released operating system. This Chrome OS is brand new from Google. You are a beta tester, and this is one of the consequences of being a beta tester. I wouldn't be surprised if they didn't have a setting, but you should check. You know where the settings are on the on the CR48? I tried turning down the sensitivity on the trackpad. No, what you really want is a setting that says ignore trackpad when I'm typing. There isn't one. There's none. So this is where you press that little bug, Logan. I, I already did send a bug report for it. Good. And you know what? This is a feature they should, they must absolutely add. Mm-hmm. Now, somebody says that uh, this bug was fixed a few updates ago, so... Make sure you update your CR48. I think it comes automatically. The updates come automatically, don't they? Yeah, when I got the Chrome, when I got the laptop, it like updated itself. Right. When but, I was like setting it up, it up, it uh, updated and it restarted and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, I I suspect that it's something that they will fix. Uh, remember a couple of things. First of all, the hardware that you have, the CR48 hardware that you have, will never be sold. This is kind of a generic hardware that Google sent out so that you could test Chrome OS. From Google's point of view, what you're really testing is the software, not the hardware. And many reviewers, and I would include myself in this because I got one too, uh, didn't like the hardware that much. I wasn't crazy about the mouse or the trackpad that much. It, there, it, isn't, it isn't great. I mean, it's great for free. <laughs> you can't knock it for free, but it isn't the greatest thing in the world. So um, you did the right thing, which is to tell Google, hey, it's not a bug report. It's a feature request. I would like a feature. I want you to be able to, I want to be able to turn off that trackpad when I'm typing. And uh, in the meantime, you know, just you could get a sheet of paper, get a, get a, get a, a, a you know, post-it note or something and put it over the trackpad when you type. And that's not a great solution, but it'll work. And I and I, I just um, eventually gave up with the trackpad. I was sick of it, so I just plugged in my uh, USB mouse. Yeah, there you go. Can you disable the trackpad? No, there. Yeah. That's another feature they need. <laughs> Should disable the track. I would. I bet you there is. It might be. I don't guarantee it, but I might. There might be a way to disable the trackpad that is not documented. Um. Now, okay, here's the deal. Web6361 in our chat room has a suggestion for you. He says there is an update to the trackpad. What you need to do is click, click on About Chrome, 
then click more info. And then what you're going to do is switch from, there's two different um, software tracks. There's the beta track, which gives you stable updates, but not development updates. And there's a dev track, which will give you all the updates, even the latest ones. Now, by doing so, you're going to get the latest updates, but you might get some that are not fully tested. But isn't that part of the fun, Logan? Yeah. So this is so go to uh, About Chrome, more info, and then switch your updates from beta to dev. To development? Yep. And that way you'll get the development uh, updates, which will be more frequent. Some of them may break things. But I'm sure they warn you when you turn on this laptop. This isn't this isn't this isn't uh, commercial ready for off the shelf software. This is you are a beta tester. But congratulations! I mean, getting to be a beta tester is a real privilege, and I'm sure you take it seriously, right? Yeah. Yeah, and you're looking for bugs, right? Mm-hmm. Do you want to work for Google when you uh, get out of school? Mm, possibly. What would you like to do? Well, I was thinking about being a scientist, but as an intern, that would be really good to work at Google, I think. Many scientists work at Google, absolutely. Some very smart scientists. And uh, and I, what kind of science do you like? Uh, quantum. Oh, you want to be a physicist. Yeah. Right on, right on, Logan. You do that, okay? All right. <laughs> That's exciting. Thanks for joining me. Take care, okay? All right, you too. Bye-bye. I want to be a quantum physicist. Okay. Right on. Right on, dude. You know, every once in a while I worry a little bit about kids Logan's age, the younger generation, because this stuff is all handed to them on a plate, right? You You know, they've got iPhones and they've got iPads and it's all just kind of been handed to them on a plate. And, uh, and, uh, when, when we were young, we had to kind of hack on it a little bit make it work and stuff. And so I, I, I love hearing about kids like Logan who aren't going to just take it the way it is, but who want to change it and want to hack it and want to make and change things. That's important. We need those people. Leo Laporte, the tech guy. Leo Laporte, the tech guy. 8888, ask Leo. If a kid, we were talking to Logan a few minutes ago, and Logan says he's aspiring to be a quantum physicist, but meanwhile he's into computers, and yeah, he'd consider an internship at uh, at Google, maybe, you know, on his way to his Nobel Prize and all that. And I just love it. I love hearing kids who are interested enough to want to learn more, who want to dig under the hood. We need those people and and I was just saying before the break that I think in some ways computers have become so easy and so so universal that uh I think we've bred a generation of people who just take it for granted. I mean the way that uh, maybe you and I take a car for granted or a television or a microwave oven we don't need to understand how it works. Jerry Pornell very famously in his uh, book Lucifer's Hammer talks about the fact that we've got all these people using technology who have no idea and if you how it was made if you lost the one or two percent of the people who created this stuff, who invented it, who understand it, would be back in the dark ages because there'd be nobody left to maintain it, to invent new stuff. We'd just be back. 
it and it I guess the more technological a society gets, it makes sense. That's a more that skill is more specialized. But I just like to put in a a plug for learning this stuff. <laughs> we need somebody to keep it going and learning to program, learning to to create hardware, to invent hardware, to physically make things. We need that. And so when I hear kids like Logan who have this enthusiasm and this interest, man, I just want to say, yeah, you go. Keep up the good work. Of course, we need English majors. I'm not knocking them. <laughs> we need them, too. We need everybody. I just I just fear sometimes that uh, like the movie Idiocracy, that we're just getting, we're getting to a point where we've got all this stuff, but nobody has any idea how it works. And some someday it'll just run out. It'll stop working. Well, I know uh, another movie, the uh, uh, Wally, that great uh, Disney movie, Wally, where they're all in that ship floating around. They have no even the captain doesn't know how the ship works. They're just floating around as long as they're fat and happy. As long as the robots keep feeding them, they just float around. Mason, Long Beach, California. Leo Laporte, the tech guy. Hi, Mason. Hey, how you doing? I'm wonderful. I wanted to talk about digital cameras for a second i heard you talking about them earlier and uh one of my favorite subjects sure uh as 35 millimeter went to digital um i went into the digital pretty quick and i think cameras like uh nikon did the two versions where they did the shutter reflex and then they also right. did, like smaller compact my smaller first compact. Uh, my first uh, digital slr was a nikon d70 and i man i loved that camera i still have it but that's what i was going to say is those cameras actually had far superior technology. They would take video. They had stabilization. Um, but people thought of them as cheap, small cameras. So You're talking about the uh, those... SLRs, uh, I mean, the SLRs that have the moving parts and the interchangeable lenses are just refurbished 35-millimeter cameras, and they have all of these, you know, they have, they have um, mirrors that can get dirty and have to be replaced or... Well, you know, there's two different there's two different uh, threads going on in the digital SLR world. There, there's the fully digital cameras that Olympus and Sony make, uh, where they're eliminating mirrors. There's the Micro Four Thirds. They're also eliminating the movable mirrors. And then there's the traditional DSLRs from Canon and Nikon. And you have a choice. You have the choice. For sure. But what I, what I was saying is, like, as I was studying that, um, I found out that the uh, the best one that Coolpix eighty four hundred actually still shoots bulb exposures, and that's where they kind of stopped. It has a, a MG alloy interior body, and that's still a very compact. So if you're a pro and you don't want to carry around the big SLR, you want to leave it at home, but you still want to have those, you know, um, 8 megapixels, and that's only if you're printing anyway. Unless you're looking on a screen, it doesn't really matter. You're only looking at 72 dpi, but, but if you do want to make large prints or billboards or you're working for a car company or something and you want to have that stuff, it's almost like saying, like, what's under your hood? I think 8 megapixels is sufficient, and that camera has it, also shoots video. But, like, now I want to look at the new Olympus EP1 because that also will shoot bulb exposures. Yeah, the, you know, well, I, you know, all the digital, uh, my camera do bulbs. Everybody will do bulbs. Uh, yeah, the, the SLRs, but I'm saying the smaller compact ones. Well, the compact the, ones, right. Right, yeah. the new Canon G12, they stopped developing those features past because the consumers weren't really ready for it, I think. That's what the guys at Nikon told me. They said, we stopped dealing with it because people wanted to see a camera looking like this with all of these things. Well, the, the G12 has interchangeable lenses and a nice stabilizer and a big screen, but it, you can't open up the bulb and, and shoot like an hour picture. 
But with the Nikon Coolpix 8400, which is an older camera, and you can get it for about $300 on the Internet used, will shoot bulb exposures, hold fisheye lenses, um, comes with a Nikkor lens, and it's, it's pretty, pretty big. But like I said, if you want to go super pro, I think this new Olympus, you can shoot um, digital video with it. You can make movies. They're making movies and, uh, and commercials with it. Right. Well, I mean, there, I don't know of a camera out there that you can't shoot high-def digital video with nowadays, including all the point-and-shoots and, and all the digital SLRs. Uh, you know, I think it's a different strokes for different folks. Um, Micro Four Thirds, which is what that EP1 and now they have the EP2, uh, is, is an interesting kind of compromise. They're interchangeable lenses, but there isn't a big movable mirror, so they're more compact. Um, I, I think that if you are interested in digital photography, it probably is worth spending a little time reading the sites, digitalcamerainfo.com, dpreview.com, learning about these. And the beauty of it is there's a huge variety of choices. And I would say, I, I don't think there's any particular style of camera that it doesn't exist anymore. That you People will say, maybe there is. Oh, it's gone forever. I think you could pretty much find anything uh, from somebody. I know my friend Andy Anatko, speaking of the Nikons, is a big fan of the Coolpix P7000, which is 10 megapixels. It's the point-and-shoot that competes with the G12 or the uh, S95 or the LX5 from Panasonic, and uh, he just loves the images he's getting from that. I think that this is a kind of a golden age for digital photography, to be honest with you. We're, we just started a podcast uh, for that reason called Mostly Photos. Um, on my podcast network at Twit, we just did our first episode yesterday, and it's just um, or the day before yesterday. Just really excited about talking about it because so much is changing, so much has happened. Jonathan in Georgia, you're next. Leo Laporte, the tech guy. Hi, Jonathan. Hi, Leo. Welcome to the show. What can I do for you? Well, yeah, I I, I have a little trouble with not thirty two, and uh, what I did was I installed it on my Mac. And it will not let my iPod connect to it. What? <laughs> it's it's uh, sometimes with security software, and I haven't tried this, yet, so uh, I haven't seen this. Let's put it that way. Sometimes with security software, it blocks things. It should not be blocking uh, iPod, iPad, or iPhone. Well, yeah, I, I thought that too. So I I took it off my Mac, and the iPod worked. Hmm. I put, but then I put it on their Mac. And they had a different iPod, and it still don't work. Okay, so I think it sounds like there is a flaw in the probably in the default settings. Um, so I, I'm afraid I can't help you on that. But t- if you want to send me an email, Jonathan, Leo at Leoville.com, I'll make sure you get Tier One support from ESET and uh, get that working. Leo Laporte, the tech guy.
This portion of the Tech Guy Show is brought to you by my internet service provider, DSL Extreme, for high-speed internet at an amazing price. Call 866, the number two, GetNet, to get DSL Extreme. Leo Laporte, the Tech Guy. The phone number is 888-827-5536. About half an hour left in the show, and that's enough time to take a few calls, starting with Jonathan. In Georgia. Hi, Jonathan. Leo Laporte, the tech guy. Hey, Leo. Welcome uh, to the show. Yeah, I was asking about the Nod 32. Oh, we were talking about Nod 32. I already ac- I talked to you. Yeah. So did you get my email? Uh, no, Le- I didn't get your email. All right. I'm going to put you on hold, and, uh, and Gina will give you the email. Send me an email. I will get your info to the Nod32 folks, and I promise you we'll, we'll get that fixed. My suspicion is, and this is often the case with security software, it's just blocking that port until you say yes. So at some point it probably said, actually, this is true uh, on the Mac in general, if you have the firewall turned on. It could even just be a Mac thing. When I open iTunes, it says, can iTunes connect to the Internet? And you have to explicitly allow it. So that it could be that. Let me see. There's a here's a Bosox in our chat rooms just sent me a link, and I'll put this link in the uh, show notes at TechGuyLabs.com to the ESET knowledge base. And uh, he says this will help you with this problem. If you're excluding a removable device, it needs to be inserted and mounted before you begin. Ah. So maybe the real-time scanning, you want to exclude real-time scanning from the iPod and the iPad, and uh, you need to mount those and then uh, explicitly exclude them. There is, a, there is a setting in here. It's in the ESET knowledge base. Uh, look for article S-O-L-N-2562. But we will put us in the uh, show notes, techguylabs.com. And uh, thank you for that tip, chat room. S-O-L-N-2562. Six two. Greg in Kennewick, Washington. Hi, Greg Leo Laporte, the tech guy. Hello, Leo. Hey, how are you, Greg? Oh, doing well here. Uh, uh, my daughter has uh, asked me to do a, a wedding video uh, coming up here. Uh, now, how are you going to do a wedding video if you're crying like a leaky faucet? You know, I'll put a little, a little a plastic over the top of the can. <laughs> I'll tell you, I know when my daughter gets married, I, I'm not going to be uh, signing up for any additional duties because I'm going to be bawling my eyes out. Well, I don't know. I mean, it's, uh, I'm kind of temperamental, I guess. Uh, some, <laughs> I get real weepy and sometimes I don't, so I'll just have to, you know. <laughs> hold on. Just hold on, Greg. It's going to be okay. It's good. <laughs> it's good that she's getting married. That's great. So, uh, good. What I, fun. I, it's actually nice probably to have something to do. I'll get a. I'll get one of my family members to actually do the shooting. Of, ah, I, I need to uh, uh, get some help on uh, uh, selecting the equipment, and uh, in particular, here's what here's what I would. Uh, first of all, a couple of things I would say right off the top. Tripods. Yeah, I got that. Because uh, a lot of people try to handhold this stuff. I'm sorry, it just doesn't look good. And the the quickest way to make your video look professional, just put the darn thing on a tripod, and it holds still, and it looks. Ten times more professional. Yeah, I've got a I've got a real good uh, professional quality tripod Yay. for years. 
Now, as far as cameras go, again, more professional means more cameras. So a multi-camera shoot is going to give you more flexibility. You'll have to edit it, of course. But wouldn't you like one camera looking at your daughter directly, one camera behind the two of them at the altar, one camera maybe looking at the groom directly, another camera covering the audience, things like that. Uh, Now, I I just described a four-camera shoot, and there's going to be some editing involved afterwards. But that's how the pros do it. That's how you get it to look so good because you're switching from, you know, you, when, when your daughter says, I do, you want to be looking right at her. Yeah. But when, when, the, when the preacher says, ladies and gentlemen, I give you Mr. and Mrs. Greg uh, from Kennewick, you want, to be, you want to see the audience leap to their feet. So if, if you can, what I would suggest is, uh, is rent some additional camcorders and enlist some help. From your from other family members, and and uh, and make sure you use all. Okay, now that I'm going crazy, <laughs> this is a good suggestion from the chat room. Make sure you have mics. Well, that was the biggest consideration was the uh, 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 was the sound. You know, getting getting yeah. into the camera. Uh, right. You have any- now you can put shotgun mics. A lot of cameras, Canon, for instance, will sell a shotgun mic that mounts on the hot shoe of the video camera and then plugs into the audio port and that'll improve it but the best way to do it would be i mean okay again it's how much you want to spend (laughs) remember you're talking to a guy who does video for a living so i might go a little i'm I'm going a little overboard here i was trying to i could probably hire somebody to do it for five hundred dollars um well if somebody's good and they'll and they'll do it this way then it might be worth it because uh, you'll spend 500 in rental from what I'm just talking about. Because I'd like to see the groom and the bride and the and the minister have their own microphones. Uh, probably that means they need to be wireless because you don't want to trip anybody and the bride's going to come down the aisle, so you're going to need wireless mics. Uh, wireless mics on where? Bride, groom, well, anybody who's going to speak. In a, at least in a traditional wedding, that'd be bride, groom, and minister. Or rabbi or whoever's, whoever's officiating hold of the sound guy that uh, for the church yeah that's right that's a good idea and and so then they would be able to uh uh connect that i mean we i'd be able to connect the video camera right into the sound you you absolutely uh, would be able to yeah and 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 another great idea is uh and we did this at my wedding many moons ago 20 years ago uh, that was the film era, so we handed out uh, st- you know those little cheap disposable cameras to everybody and said, "Please take pictures." Nowadays, you, you, if you just say uh, to everybody who's coming in, "Hey, if you have any pictures from the wedding, please upload them to Flickr. We'd love to see them," or something like that. You might be get some great stills that you could edit into your video. Yeah. So I think that it depends how much you want to get into this. Well. Um... Uh, uh, most churches have very you know if it's a big church have very good sound and the sound guy will be very helpful for you because they they love it this is what they're doing okay Uh, I'm thinking uh, just two cameras now I've I've got an older Sony uh, digital 8 millimeter camera video camera Uh, is that that's probably not going to be good enough huh I think it's fine I'm not you know how I mean it's not high def I was going to buy another one, a newer one. Uh, do you have a um, Do you have a good point and shoot digital still camera? Oh yeah, we've got all kinds of those. Most of those will do video. Uh, Very what, good. 
better video than your eight millimeter than your high eight. Well, we've got a uh, let's see here. I've got an Olympus Pen uh, EPL one. Oh, that's a great video camera. That does 720p high def video. That's great. You can you can put that on a tripod somewhere. It might only sometimes they have a limit on how long they'll record half an hour or whatever. But keep that in mind. Maybe try it out ahead of time. But I think that it's those don't 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 worry about you know those are actually better in some cases. It's certainly better than the camcorder you've got. Well, I was going to buy another one. Uh, but you could go out and get a flip camera, a Canon, a Kodak, a ZI8, or uh, one of those little handheld cameras. Put that on a tripod. In fact, you don't even need a tripod. You can get a Gorilla Pod. They're these really kind of funny little funky small tripods. And the nice thing about them is you could bend the legs around stuff. So you might find some unobtrusive places. You could just put mount that camera up there. What again? It's a, called a Gorilla Pod. Okay. And they're cheap, and they're plastic, and they're great because you can wrap them around things. So uh, what you do is you, you go into the church an hour ahead of time, and you and you put these cheap cameras around. And, uh, I mean, literally, these are cheap. These are $100 cameras. You put them around. You press record. And you come back. You collect them. Now you got it. Now you got something. Leo Laporte, the tech guy. Reports, the tech guy. Last few minutes of the show. I'll try to get some quick calls in here. Starting with Joe in Southern California. Hi, Joe. Leo here. What can I do for you? Hi, Leo. How are you? I am very well. How are you? Good. I enjoy your show, and I really appreciate everything you do for us. Thank you. My pleasure. I, I get a I get a big kick out of it. I'm the luckiest man in the world. Well, I'm glad to hear that, and I'm lucky to talk to you. Uh, I'm trying to look for a home security surveillance camera, looking for something to give me uh, a good picture in the dark. I'll tell you what I uh, what we've been using, and I like. Now, in the dark is a little tricky, but uh, but we've been using this drop cam, D R O P C A M, and I'll tell you where we're using it right now. You can actually see it. If you go to dropcam.com slash demo, we've got video of our studio construction so people can watch live video. And it's not just video. It's got a microphone. In fact, let me turn it up. Well, there's nothing going on in there, but you can kind of hear in the background. But it's got a microphone. But the thing I like about Dropcam is you can subscribe to their service and you can go back in time. So you can. we've got a week's worth of recording. So I can go to anywhere in the last week and see what was going on in that facility at that time, which I think is really cool. It has some additional features, things like it'll email you if there's motion. It'll it'll let you know. So I've, I've gone back to a week ago at 10 a.m., and uh, I can look at that. So go, go to, if you want to see, they have a, a, a site that's got demos of uh, Dropcam, and I like it. What is a Dropcam, uh, uh, John? How much was that, about 150 bucks, something like that? 200 bucks. Okay. So there they are. They're doing some work in there. I, I think this is a pretty good security camera. Now, no security camera 
no standard security camera will do well in darkness. For that, you'd need an infrared camera or something much more expensive. And there's certainly a lot of places you can go for security. Other companies make, you know, more expensive, elaborate security cameras. Um, we've, we've played with it. I like the Axis as well. A-X-I-S. And those have some additional features like the ability to, uh, to steer them from the web. So if you're remote, you can actually say, hey, what's over in that corner? And you can zoom in or steer it. Um, there's, some, there's some nice features in the Axis cams. And if you want one that will work in pitch dark, you're going to need a, an infrared cam. This works okay in the dark, but what I would say is you, you need some, some lighting. But you want lighting anyway on any security camera because you want to light that area. That's, you, that's the deterrent. Keeps people out of there. You could, you could take a look at this uh, drop cam and, and watch our studios being built. These are the new studios we'll move into in uh, mid-May. Uh, the new Tech Guy Labs, I guess we'll have to call it. Uh, at dropcam, D-R-O-P-C-A-M dot com slash demo. Hey, before I get to the next caller, I probably should tell you that uh, it's time to back up. We make Sunday's backup day on the show. Of course, if you're using Carbonite, you don't have to think about it. Carbonite's online backup that's automatic. Happens all the time. Uses your internet connection to back up your data whenever you're online without slowing down your system. Would it be nice if you could, you know... Go back in time to fix a problem just like I did on that camera. Just go back in time. Computers crash, get infected in viruses. It'd be nice. You could just go rewind. Go back to that better time before I erased that file or it crashed. Carbonite is easy to get started. It just takes a couple of minutes. Go to Carbonite.com right now. You can try it free for 15 days. Use the offer code LEO. Your pictures and your other files are backed up automatically whenever you're connected to the net. And when that disaster happens, and by the way, it will eventually. It always does. Your data is right there. But, you know, you don't have to wait for disaster. Carbonite's cloud-based storage for any time. You just log on to your Carbonite account from any computer, Mac or PC, and there's your data. They even have a free iPhone and BlackBerry app. So it's unlimited. Anytime, anywhere access, just $55 a year at Carbonite.com, 15 cents a day. And when I say unlimited, I mean you can back up all your personal data on your internal drive, however much that is, for the same low price, $55 a year. Use my name, Leo. You'll get two free months in addition. Carbonite.com. That 15-day trial is waiting for you. Start it right now with the coupon code Leo. And then if you decide to buy, two months free. Carbonite. C-A-R-B-O-N-I-T-E. Carbonite. It's backup. Done right. Bill's in Idaho, our next caller. Hey, Bill, Leo Laporte, the tech guy. Hello. Hello. Uh, I'm having a problem with downstreaming on uh, my television from Netflix. And uh, what I have is uh, a Sony Bravia LCD TV mm-hmm. and with the home theater and Blu-ray and the whole works. And between what happens when I'm watching it downstream in a movie, sometimes it'll go all the way through. Maybe it'll be fine. Sometimes it'll stop instantly. And so it's it almost certainly not the hardware, the TV. It's your internet connection. Well, I I went from a one dot five, and it was working when I had that, and increased that to seven, and that still doesn't. I still have the problem. 
So oh, and that's can... important because you know people often say, "Well, how could that be? I've got twenty megabits down." Yeah. But the issue is, what do you have consistently? And I see this a lot because we do stream audio and video, and I hear from people all the time who say, "Your your your video is stuttering. It's buffering." Was what's happening. Video is very hard to do. If you think about it, uh, if you're watching a high def movie on Netflix or you're streaming my video. What you're getting is a, it's basically a very long download. And the higher quality of the video, the bigger the file. And here's the key. It's got to be consistent bandwidth. If, you know, you're using Wi-Fi, for instance, Wi-Fi frequently stops working and starts again. Not a big deal on a web page. It just means, like, the web page is a little slow. But a very big deal on video. A couple of seconds lost on video, and you've got a rebuffer. That's, a, you know, that's hundreds of frames gone. So while it may seem you have more than adequate bandwidth, it, it really is more than just the nominal or the bandwidth they promise you. It's how consistent it is. It's whether you're on Wi-Fi. If you're having trouble with Wi-Fi, go hardwired. It'll be a lot better for you. Um, and uh, it may be the router you're using as much as the Internet service provider. So it's, 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 the inter- it's almost certainly the Internet. And it's a question of getting a, a more reliable, more consistent connection. That's the key. Harold's in Greenville, South Carolina. Hi, Harold. Leo Laporte, the tech guy. Hello? Hey, Harold. Welcome to the show. Hi. <clears throat> Just a second. <clears throat> sure, why not? Yeah. Okay, I got an email the other day for myself. What? How could you get an email from yourself? Okay, yeah. Who was it? Who was it actually from? Was it spam? Well, I it came straight in from an email. I, I have a Yahoo email account, oh. and it said from me at Yahoo to my other email account. In uh, uh, this is uh, And what did the what was the content of the email? Uh, it, was a, it was a spam. It was something that I could reduce your urge to smoke. Okay. So a couple of possibilities. First of all, the first thing to remember, most importantly, is that email, the way it's designed right now, provides no authentication for the sender. In other words, it is easy for me to change my, I could do it right in the email client, change my sending address to be whitehouse.president at whitehouse.gov or anything else, or Harold from Greenville, South Carolina, or anything else. There's no, emailed in no way verifies the sending address. So with an email client, you can just change it. Spammers frequently do that. What does a spammer have? He has a list of addresses and he just populates it. Now, there is a thing that you said that concerns me, Harold, because it isn't the same address it was sent to. That's frequent. You'll see that a lot in spam, where it came from that address and it went to that address. That's an easy thing for the spam software to do. Okay. But it's not that. It was a different it was your address, right? But it was it was your Yahoo address. Yeah. That's a little concerning. Because it seems highly unlikely to me that that spammer would have those two addresses connected. Yeah. That's, yeah. That's, so the first thing I do, if you see anything like that happens, it's kind of weird. I'd immediately change your Yahoo password and your, and your uh, other email password. Do not hesitate to change your email passwords regularly, okay? Okay. Email passwords leak out, and Yahoo Mail has lately been a, 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 a very common source of hacking. I saw this, my gar- it happened, I told this uh, story a couple of weeks ago. My gardener, 
I got an email from my gardener. He said, I'm stuck in London. Somebody stole my passport, all my money. Please send me $1,000 and I'll pay you back the minute I come back to work. It had his name. It had some... He has email had been hacked. The hackers went through his Yahoo account, figured out what would be a reasonable thing to write, then sent out that message to everybody they knew. That would be my concern. So change your passwords just to be safe. Leo Laporte, the tech guy. Have a great geek week. I'll see you next time.